when the woman grows up, she puts the boyfriend before her or the lover, if it's the same gender. She puts the husband before her, the children before the mother-in-law, the family, and slowly realizes that she left herself way behind and simply doesn't know her true self anymore. And it's a shocking but palpable, clear denial of the true self. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mind Valley podcast. So you're in for a really interesting conversation today because I'm with my dear friend Shafali Sabari, or at least she asks me to call her my dear friend. Shafali, how are you? Thank you so much for the honor of being here with you, my dear friend, Vision. I am very well. So before we begin, let me read your bio for anyone listening today who has not seen you on these seven times you've been on Oprah, okay? Shafali Sabari received her doctorate in clinical psychology from Columbia University. She's, you know what, this is so wordy and boring. I know, don't you know me? I'm I'm a psychologist. Your accomplishments from my from yes, my lens. Okay. Exactly. All right, guys. So I hate it when I have to read an author's formal bio. So today, because I know Shafali really, really, really well, I'm simply going to tell you what I think of Shafali Sabari. So firstly, this is the woman who has saved me from Yourself. messing up parenting with my kids. I've learned so much from her that I'm eternally grateful. I put Shafali on stage at Mind Valley University, and we've published a program with her called Conscious Parenting. What I appreciate most about Shafali is that when she gets on stage and when you hear her speeches, she seems to channel wisdom. Just before the pandemic happened, I put Shafali on stage in Los Angeles at Mind Valley Reunion. There were about a thousand people in the audience and Shafali got recognized as one of the best speakers. And one of the comments that I saw about her was, did she memorize that speech word for word? because everything flowed so beautifully. Now, it was obvious she didn't memorize it because she was interacting with the audience. But I believe truly wise individuals get into a flow, they channel, and wisdom pours out of them. And that's probably the greatest compliment I can say about Shafali. The second greatest compliment is that she has got some of the most beautiful eyes. Don't look at her because I'm convinced. Don't look at her pictures too much because I'm convinced those eyes hypnotize you to buy her books or at least try it. Go to drshafali.com, look at those eyes, and then visit her Amazon page. And that's spelled Dr. D-R-S-H-E-F-A-L-I.com. Now, one more thing about Shafali, which I have to share, is that she was on a U.S. news network, can't remember if it was ABC or CBS or NBC, for making Oprah cry. Now, you may be wondering, which sicko makes Oprah, one of the most beloved Americans of all time, cry? But it wasn't that Shafali, you know, slapped Oprah on the face or something. Oprah is such a Shafali fan. Shafali's been on Oprah seven times, and during one of those appearances, she said things so profound that the Oprah Winfrey, the woman who was sat in front of every amazing spiritual teacher in the world, except me. I don't know why Oprah has yet to call me. I wonder why. And that is the wisdom that you're going to hear today. So guys, make sure you have a tissue ready. Make sure you have a website, Shafali's website in front of you. We're going to hear wisdom from Shafali. And in particular, we're going to be discussing her new book, Radical Awakening, Turn Pain into Power, Embrace Your Truth and Live Free. Shafali, welcome to the Mind Valley Podcast. 
Thank you, Vishen. Thank you for having me. And just to uh, dovetail on what you said, the reason Oprah cried is because when we talk about our children, and there's something so unique about that relationship, that when we see how we may have projected our unmet needs onto them without realizing, I mean, these are the beings we say we love the most, but then when we see how our childhood baggage gets dumped on them, that moves us because we don't want to do that. And I think that was a moment where she realized that she was projecting her own fantasies from her own unmet needs. And that's what moves everyone about conscious parenting is that we begin to understand ourselves as children through our parenting. So Shafal, you mentioned the word conscious parenting, and a lot of people listening to this podcast are super familiar with your work. You basically popularized that phrase, conscious parenting, and it's also the title of one of your first books. Your new book is called Radical Awakening. And for those of you who want to learn more, just go to drshafali.com, D-R-S-H-E-F-A-L-I.com. Go to drshafali.com. But Shafali, we know you as the person who writes about parenting. Let's talk about Radical Awakening. What is this book about and how is this different from your usual work? Well, all of my work really follows my own evolution. And I think you're the same. People who write about wisdom cannot write about it unless they have truly metabolized and integrated it in their own lives. So I wrote four parenting books and each one of them very closely dovetailed my own experience and evolution. And this is my fifth book. And this book is different because it truly speaks to the awakening of the woman. Now, is it good for men too? Yes. But this one speaks very particularly to the nuanced suppression and oppression, unworthiness that women experience that men don't in the same way. So this one follows my own path. When I radically awakened in my mid-40s, I have to belie my age, and really spoke to how I shifted from living in my false self which I didn't even really know I was living in. But I was so heavily doctrined and conditioned as an Indian woman, as a woman, as an achieving woman, that I didn't even realize I was heavily disguised under masks of my ego. And I had a huge spiritual breakthrough around the age of 44, which happens to a lot of women. It's the midlife crisis and men. And I went through a breakdown, a disintegration. So this speaks to that path of epiphany, awakening from the matrix, as I call it. I had been asleep, my utter disintegration, and how I put myself back together in a completely rebirth new way. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, Shafali. Thank you for explaining the story of the genesis of this book. Now, what does radical awakening mean to you? It has two layers to it. The first awakening that occurs on our spiritual journey towards our true self is that we realize that we have been told lies, that the entire cultural matrix that we have been absorbed in has been a lie. It has been based on profit and consumerism and fear and scarcity and separation. So that's the first mind-blowing paralytic epiphany that we go through. What? You know, as simple as the 12-year-old girl realizing that all the models she had been exalting on the Cosmopolitan magazine were airbrushed 
something as subtle as that. But she had been pining to look like that, right? And then she realizes it's all an illusion. So, you know, I named my daughter Maya, which means illusion, because I had my first grand awakening at around the age of 21 when I realized that everything around me was an illusion. And I went on my first deep spiritual inquiry. And then the second layer of the radical awakening, and this is where it becomes really radical, is where you begin to realize that you, the individual, is a co-creator of that cultural matrix that lies. And that is the second grand shock where you realize not only have I been lied to, but I've been so hoodwinked and seduced that I am a co-creator now of this lie and how I perpetuated myself onto my children and the people around me. Wow. Okay. So this is really interesting. So the first one is the recognition of Maya, which is the Sanskrit word for illusion. The world around us is an illusion. It's Maya. The second big awakening is understanding your role in co-creating the grand illusion. Yes, yes. And for women to understand that, yes, we live in a toxic patriarchy, but then too, we are playing the part that the toxic patriarchy wishes us to play to the T and handing over our power on a daily basis. And when I say toxic patriarchy, that does not mean evil men. It mm -hmm. means a system that systematically, endemically subjugates its women, its children, and its animals. It's a system of hierarchy and therefore also subjugates its men. I see. I see. Okay. So this is interesting. And if you're a guy right now, please stay. We're not just going to be talking about women. By listening to this podcast, odds are you're going to learn how to love and support and be a better spiritual partner to the woman in your life, whether it's someone you're dating or it's your wife or it's your daughter. So Shapali, I'd love for you to give lessons or ideas here that we men could also take home. So Vishen, just on that, my next book is going to be on the awakening of the man. This conversation is about the conscious man, really, at the end of the day, because mm -hmm. any man who wishes to awaken needs to understand the system that they are part of and how their women and children are hurting and how they can rise up to support their sisters, their mothers, their daughters. This is so pivotal for the men in our lives. And this book should be read by every woman, but every woman should make every man in her life read it. Mm -hmm. I love that. So let's talk about the next question, okay? You speak about inner work. How do we go about inner work? What does that mean to you? So people come to me all the time for therapy, right? And they always want to fix the red hot trauma or the red hot pain. People only come typically in an emergency situation. Very few come in their early 20s seeking, right? We're not seekers by nature. We are reactors. We react to situations and that's what needs to break if you want to shift your spiritual growth from reactor, zombified and a passive 
to the world, to a seeker. A seeker takes charge of their work, charge of their transformation, and sees themselves fully in the driver's seat of their existence. But here's the thing, Vishen, because we as children were raised to be tethered to the hierarchy and power of the parents, and you know we were raised by unconscious parents, most of us, who were fed the diet of power and supremacy in the parenting dynamic, which is what I'm trying to break. Children learn very young, you and I did too, to receive the crumbs of love and worth. One of the things I've realized after conducting well over a thousand interviews with the world's greatest thought leaders in everything from entrepreneurship to spirituality to health and wellness to relationship is that life is enormous and there are so many ways we can make our life better and better in every way, in every single day. If you're successful in just one area of life, you might just suck in another. I've known billionaires whose romantic lives were in shambles. I've known incredibly emotionally intelligent people who just couldn't make money. And that's totally fine. It doesn't matter where you are. Life doesn't have to stay the same forever. You're not cursed or destined to be miserable or unlucky in love or struggling to make ends meet. You were just never thought how to have it all, how to do things differently, how to master the human experience from a mind, body, and soul perspective. This is where Mind Valley membership comes in. When you become a Mind Valley member, you are coached by the greatest teachers in the world. You get to live a life beyond your wildest dreams and learn the best systems, protocols, methods, step by step by step in just 20 minutes a day to get there. You become the man or woman that you've always aspired to be. And this happens in the easiest, most effective way because of the Mind Valley transformational model. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now. Don't settle for ordinary. Don't settle for your life the way it is now. Aspire to step into your greatness. From the external world. So now because we are so brainwashed to be tethered to the external world, now when we grow up, it's just natural that we keep giving away that power. So inner work means to take that power back within us, to understand we at every moment of our lives, after adulthood, I always give a pass till the age of 28, need to take the power back in our own hands. So when people come to me, they complain about their children, they complain about their partners, they complain about their bosses, and I let them for the first few sessions, and then I hand over the first rude awakening, which is, okay, we have named the abuse around you, but how are you endorsing the abuse? How is something in your emotional terrain allowing for repetitive, abusive emotional experience? You know, you and I have talked about this before, that we are not living a life, we're living a pattern. This is one of my great epiphanies as a therapist. There's no life being lived. We're just repeating emotional experiences from childhood. And when we wake up, we begin to take the outer back to the inner and we begin to truly live our lives in an awakened and conscious way. I love that. So in your book, you talk about this concept called queen energy. What does it mean to enter into queen energy? So I don't know how much you've seen this in the women you grew up with, but our experience as young girls is so different than your experience as young boys. And we 
Whether we were explicitly or implicitly taught this, we absorbed it from the milk in the breast that there is a very prescribed way to be a young woman and a woman in general. And the mandates are universal and ubiquitous. It is to be docile, servile, silent, at the back of the line, put other people before you because we are trained to be the nurturers, the caretakers, the conflict avoiders, the peacemakers. And in doing that, in playing that role, which actually many of us want to play, it's part of our biology to give, but we don't want to play it to the subjugation and obliteration of ourself. So we were raised to be lovely and kind, but with that, came the hidden agenda to be servile, silent, not speak up, be disconnected from our voice, not call it what it is, pretend like nothing is happening to allow other people to feel good about themselves. So with each passing year, we betray ourselves subtly but surely. And by the time we reach adolescence, and this is studied across the board in research on young girls reaching adolescence, girls around 11 years old go through a market period of internal disruption where they lose their inner knowing. But what we don't say clearly enough is that it has been conditioned to be lost from infancy. So then when the woman grows up, she puts the boyfriend before her or the lover, if it's the same gender. She puts the husband before her, the children before the mother-in-law, the family, and slowly realizes that she left herself way behind and simply doesn't know her true self anymore. And it's a shocking but palpable, clear denial of the true self. So to enter queen energy, I talk about entering queen energy, means for us to truly unabashedly say, I love myself the most in my lives. You know, we are not allowed to say that. We're told that that is selfish and self-centered and narcissistic. But I will tell you in my own life, having loved other people before and thinking that was a virtue before myself, I realized that that was a lie. I was lying. I was saying I loved others before and acting like I loved others before myself, because that was the way I learned to get love, validation, and approval, because I did not give it to myself. So once I saw that I was totally lying out of an unconsciousness, not out of an intention, I began to wake up and realize that I need, and I call it queen energy, because the queen sits majestically in her own knowing doesn't mean she dominates over others, but she allows other people to be their own sovereign power as well. You know, so owning our sovereign knowing, saying that I come first in my life, what does this do? It actually frees the other people from meeting our needs. It actually allows our children to be their most powerful self because they're not meeting our needs because I'm the queen already. So when you are in your queen, true queen embodied energy, you actually release everyone from being your slave. You talk about a number of different ways to reclaim a woman's energy. So one of the things that you cover in the book, Radical Awakening, is the power of boundaries and how women can create loving boundaries in their life. Let's talk about that for a moment. So young girls have been raised to 
prostitute their power for the sake of love and worth from the outside. And we do that by being pleasers. We do that by being self-sacrificers. That's how we do it. Men do it by being competent achievers and self-satisfying. We do it by being self-abnegating. Okay? Big difference. You're taught, you're celebrated for being self-sufficient and self-caring. We are taught the opposite. We are taught to be self-sacrificing, self-divorcing. So in doing that, there are no such things called boundaries. There is no such separation between self and other. Now, listen, part of this is biological. We give off our bodies. The breast gives, the vagina allows the entrance of the other. And men, on the other hand, are compartmentalized. You know, you all by nature are compartmentalized. We by nature are connectors. So culture has taken this beautiful biological quality of us and exploited it and told us that we can never show up in the equation, right? We not only give off our bodies, we give off our entire essence. So when we allow the complete invasion of our boundaries and we're told that that is virtuous, we actually wage a war against ourselves. Women, if they're honest, are waging a war against ourselves because we allow culture's conditioning to penetrate us. We allow culture to tell us we're supposed to look a certain way. Men are not told that. I mean, a little bit, but you know how women are plagued by the standard of beauty. We're plagued by the standard of youth. We're plagued by the standard of perfectionism way more than men. You know, men have to achieve and compete in the outer world. We have to compete and achieve at home too. So the best mother, the best sexy person, the best achiever, the best connector, on all fronts, we have to be perfect. So our boundaries are constantly violated because we have been told to absorb the will of others. And by doing that, the most polite way I can say is we engage in the greatest self-betrayal. And until we change that for ourselves and our sisters, you know, women are so competitive with each other. We are so mean to each other. Why? Because we've been trained to compete in this toxic patriarchy. The toxic patriarchy is a system of competition, separation, and achievement. It is a system of domination and hierarchy. So even though that's not our nature, we've been absorbed to ingrain ourselves with these messages. And we wage war against ourselves and against our sisters. And until we wake up to our queen energy and allow each woman to be a queen, no matter how she looks, no matter where she is on the spectrum of beauty, youth, these are all standards. We will not awaken as a sorority. You know, our fight is not against any man. Men are not awakened enough to do this with us. We have to rise up in our sorority. We women are the leaders and the change makers. I mean, look at your Mind Valley audience. I know you have a lot of men, but women are there. We want to change. We want because we see the pain in our children's eyes more than others. And so the power lies in us. Yeah, Mind Valley is two thirds, I think it's almost two thirds women. We're slowly getting more men now as we bring in more fitness programs. But back when Mind Valley was mostly about meditation and spirituality, it was 70% women. That was our biggest audience. Yes. The Jill, women Jill. were waking up to that sooner than the men. Yes. And Jill says, I argue that it's women that perpetuate the toxic patriarchy. I will say, and that's how I started this, women help 
co-create the toxic patriarchy. We are part of the toxicity by competing against each other. But mostly, do you know, Vishen, how we participate in the toxic patriarchy? How? Through our self-loathing. Each time we look in the mirror and we objectify ourselves, oh my goodness, you should see how I do it to myself. I notice the wrinkles. Nobody else is noticing, right? Because I've been trained with that cultural oppression and now it's become part of me and I wage that war against myself each time I look in the mirror each time I wear insane high heels that I'm so uncomfortable in but I pretend like I love because I want to look amazing I am participating in the toxic patriarchy I'm doing this I'm participating in it and becoming aware is the first step and then truly making choices I'm not saying not to wear high heels I'm just saying Watch how we participate in our own self-loathing. I love this conversation. So let's say you were talking to an audience of women right now. There are 405 people live with us, but I'm guessing most of them are women looking at the names and the comments which are appearing. And also kudos to the men who are here. As I'm looking at the chat, I'm seeing it's mostly women who are commenting, but I know men are here as well. And they're really listening and paying attention. So kudos to the men who showed up for this conversation. Shapali, if you could break it into maybe a few steps that women could take to break free from this, what would be your advice to them? The first awakening that I would encourage women to do, and it's simple, is to notice how their choices are coming out of a hunger for what I call in the book, a triple threat to women. And what is the triple threat? That we make choices based on approval, validation, and praise. And as long as we are asleep to how we are curating our lives based on external approval, validation, and praise, we will keep subjugating ourselves and getting upset with the patriarchy for subjugating us. Mm. So we have to get real with ourselves and ask ourselves, why am I so empty from within that I want to look like this and I'm playing to the cultural standards of beauty or the cultural standard that women can do it all. You know, there's this new feminist movement that women can do it all. Yes, we can do it all, but I'll tell you how that is oppressive. Now I feel I need to do it all, right? Now I'm putting even more pressure on myself. Now I know that was not the intention. The intention was to give you permission that whatever you wish, you can manifest. That is the clean part of that mandate. But I'll tell you how it becomes subversive and toxic where now we feel we should do it all. So the baby pops out in three weeks and we feel we should now be a fit mom. Then we should be a working mom. Then we should be a this. And no, and I tell women, no, you could do it all, but that doesn't mean you do it all, all the time. And I release women from this idea of perfectionism because that is the way we oppress ourselves for validation, approval, and praise. I love that. So that's the first step. We'd love to go to the second step. But before that, we've covered so much wisdom right now, guys. I would love for those of you who are live with us to share your biggest insight, your biggest aha moment. Type it out in the chat. And Shafali, let's read out a couple of insights that our audience is sharing. I love that. Go ahead. I, I and love this one by Julie. She says, we need a village and not expect one person to do it all. This is another way culture has 
created dysfunction in our families by creating these nuclear systems where the woman feels she has to do it all and asking for help is an admission of weakness this is toxicity for the woman i remember as a mother wanting to quote unquote do it all if i needed to bring in help from a nanny or because my mother lived overseas i felt judged by other women because i was in 24/7 you know coddling my kid and i was a bad mother for not carrying her on my back all the time so you see we put these arduous pressures on us you know even the pressure to go back to work that's a pressure for us women we need to bond with our children but also for the woman who wants to go back and not bond so much that's okay too we need other women to step in and release us from pressure and shame so somebody else says our female sisterhood creative collectives that is so powerful so linda said something interesting men learn how to delegate and it's perceived as a strength when women delegate it's labeled as weak do you see and let me tell you who will judge her the most her women friends her mother-in-law her neighbors who are female and the reason they judge is because they have been oppressed so now they pass on that oppression to other women you know you and i see this in our indian culture in the classic mother-in-law syndrome where the daughter-in-law then becomes the same mother-in-law that she once fought against why because we are all coming from a lack based perspective and so then we want to control other people as well in the same way we were controlled wow this reminds me of something i remember hearing when i was a child from my mother my mom was a phenomenal mom she was a school teacher so she had to take care of her students at school she worked for a public school and then she was raising me and i remember at one point she took all her savings and she wanted to buy a house just to invest in property and she was told by her father-in-law my grandfather and he meant this in a loving way he said no you can't you're a woman you shouldn't be owning property and this was like in the 19 early 1990s and so it just felt so shocking to me i just wanted to share that in appreciation for my mother and everything she went through because it was mother's day yesterday so thank you for giving me that awareness as you're speaking i'm starting to think of mom and i'm starting to think about everything she's gone through and i feel even more appreciative for her than ever before yes absolutely and it's so quick and incisive and subtle these messages we get you know you're a girl you don't do that or i remember when my daughter she's 18 now forever used to sit with her legs wide open you know so <laughs> legs were open 2 years old 3 years old and people around me used to tell me to tell her tell her to close her legs tell her to close her legs otherwise how will she learn i said what is she going to do like you think she's going to sit like this at a party when she's 25 but the fear we have you see it's so insidious and part of our culture to see women in a certain way that we get threatened when they burst the status quo bubble you know so you and i have recently shifted our marriages and changed the configuration i did too i think at the same time you did vision we must have mm-hmm. both had our midlife crisis at the same time yeah i think we both went through independently conscious uncouplings right yes at the same time well i tried right. i think you may have been more successful I think what I found then is how again women were not supposed to do what I was doing. It was taboo, it was stigmatized. I was not feeling the support from culture. I was feeling extremely 
judged and shamed. Um, and it was implicit. I didn't even have to talk to anyone to feel the judgment. It is part of culture to have us be stratified and rigidified into certain roles. When we break those roles, especially for women, there is a high price to pay. And we women need to understand that just because culture places these stigmas on us doesn't mean these stigmas are divinely ordained. They are culturally made by the imagination of very ordinary men and women, and therefore they can be broken. You know, and that's why I speak to cultural institutions as being so pernicious and toxic, because we believe they are divinely ordained. You know, we believe that the A grade, just taking a kid going to school, somehow that kid believes that the A grade is his worth or is his or her intelligence. And when you bust that bubble for the kid and we teach them the A grade is just a moment in time, we take the veil off. But do you know how many messages culture gives us around our worth mm -hmm. and pretends as if it's divinely ordained? And they are simply not. They are fabrications of the mind and very, very transient in that moment. You know, we think because marriage has existed for the last 5,000 years, it's a divine institution. It's only existed for a blink in time, like a blink, everyone blink. That's how long marriage has existed in terms of the existence of the homo sapien. But because we are myopic, we begin to think it's the end all and be all. You and I both laugh at the idea that traditions are, you know, indoctrinations from dead people or pressure from dead people. You know, we both agree with that because we grew up in very traditional cultures and you and I were raised to think it was holy. And then yeah. when we wake up, we go, this is, what is this? You know, these are just fabrications. And while lovely on one level can be extremely engaging on other levels. Now, there are a couple of other interesting ideas in your book. I'd love for you to touch on them. And again, the book we're talking about is called Radical Awakening. Turn pain into power, embrace your truth and live free. And you can learn more about the book. Well, you can search for it on Amazon. It's available now. Or you can go to drshafali.com. Shafali, there are a couple of really interesting ideas that you cover in the book. One is the pill that kills. Tell us about that. Well, the ubiquitous issue with all of us is that we have separated from our inner worth as species that are interconnected. So here's the thing. We have become increasingly egocentric. We are increasingly living in a false state of existence. Not only have we cut off from the earth and therefore the earth is burning up and pillaged, modern man has literally killed off the earth. We have literally destroyed it in the last 40 or 50 years, more than any other time in our history. So not only are we disconnected from the earth, the mother of it all, we are also disconnected from each other as a community interconnection, interdependence. We are increasingly becoming more deluded in our egoic ideas for achievement, grandeur. We want to go to Mars. We want to dominate it all. So living under this, as, as said, this is the system of toxic patriarchy, world domination. World domination is what toxic patriarchy is. And damn to all who don't follow the paradigm, right? So women of color, people of color, animals, anyone weak, the poor, the disabled are going to be burned to hell under toxic patriarchy. So because of this system of extreme ego-driven consumption, 
there is great lack. You understand lack feeds the consumption. The consumption feeds the lack, right? So a girl's coming through a magazine is told that she can have flawless skin. She's like, oh, I didn't know there's such a thing. So lack is created. She tells her mother she wants to buy whatever six miracle creams. Consumption is created. The miracle creams, of course, don't work because at 72, she's going to have wrinkles no matter what. Now, the consumption creates more lack, creates more, and this passes on. So as long as we live in this cycle, we will have great unworthiness because we're disconnected from the true core of who we are. We are creatures of the earth and we are brothers and sisters. We are one. Race is an illusion. We are one. But we are so disconnected from that that we've created this fabricated world of complete Maya, complete illusion. Thank you, Shafali. So now what I want to do is I want to give the audience here a chance to ask questions. So open up the Q&A panel on Zoom and vote up questions that you feel are really noteworthy. Or you can ask your own question. The first question is from Emilia Rabadinera. Emilia, I'm going to bring you up for you to engage with Shafali and ask your question. Hi, Hi Emilia. Hi from Ecuador. It's such an honor. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here. Thank you. Thank you for, yeah, this is a big question because since I was very little, I recall being like five or six years old, I saw the news, the local news, and I felt this system, this patriarchy, and I questioned myself, where the hell am I? And I was like, oh my God, this must be wrong. These people are wrong. And I always grew up with that feeling. And now I am a mom myself. And the first thing you said, Shafali, is that women have to become aware of that. It's the first step. But we are surrounded by men. And how do we both, women and men, break free from this system and I think it's a matter of awakening and evolution, but how do we do that? And if we are parents, how do we break free and uh, teach our kids to be free from this? So that's... that's uh... <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you for your question. I too, growing up in India, recognized that there's something wrong in the system by the age of six. And I used to beg my parents to send me somewhere else, thinking that it does not exist somewhere else. But then I realized it exists everywhere, everywhere. because it's a system of this domination. So in my book, A Radical Awakening, I literally give you a path to do what you just said. But to answer your question briefly, it's the whole focus of the book. So your question is the book. How do we break out of this patriarchy for ourselves, for our children? It is through an individual awakening. Now, it feels like one person is too little, but all revolutions happen through one. And I have this phrase that I use all the time. It's my name for my nonprofit company called One is a Million. It takes one. We don't wait for our neighbors. We don't wait for our male partners and friends. We radically awaken. When one woman awakens, she gives permission and power to the next. And it is a slow change. All systems take time to be created. They get time to be dismantled. But you can create revolutions in your own life through your radical awakening. How? From leaving fear and lack and scarcity that the cultural matrix endorses and say to yourself, I am not going to subscribe. I'm not subscribing to fear. I'm not subscribing to lack. You can tell me all you want that I have cellulite and wrinkles. 
I'm going to try my best not to succumb to it because I'm going to develop my own self-love, my own self-celebration, my own self-relationship. So the greatest anarchy is self-love. The greatest rebellion is self-honor. The greatest act of revolution is self-celebration. It all starts with you. And take that power because if we don't start with ourselves, we sabotage by pretending Oh, but the whole system is broken. What is one person going to do? No, that is complete sabotage. That is an excuse. You deserve your own radical awakening. So I gave it to myself. And through this book, I'm giving it to other women. We don't wait for anyone. Your life is short. You begin to awaken and liberate yourself from the toxic messages of culture. And when you do that, you give permission to your children, to the men in your life, and to culture at large. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to read your book. I'm going to buy it right away. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank you, thank Amelia. You. So, Shafali, as we're talking about your book, there's a page in this book I really love. It's a poem you wrote, The Time of the Awakened Woman. Would you kindly open the book and read that poem to us in your best Shafali voice? Oh. Everyone here, I want you to just close your eyes. Just pay attention to this beautiful piece of poetry. It's called The Time of the Awakened Woman. There comes a time in the life of a woman when she discards her old ways like tossed shoes in the garbage, when she shreds her list of shoulds and obligations, and when impossible expectations are burned in an incinerator. There comes a time in the life of a woman when the approval of others, once jewels, now turn to pennies in her sock, when the hunt for another is now replaced by a hunt for herself, and when parental tentacles of tradition no longer define her truth. There comes a time in the life of a woman when her desire to fit in with the crowd dissolves, when her manic compulsion to be perfect vaporizes, and when her obsession to be voted popular eviscerates. There comes a time in the life of a woman when she simply says no more, when facade, artifice, and guile leave her nauseated, and when righteousness, dogma, and superiority repulse her. There comes a time in the life of a woman when she no longer fears conflict, but faces it boldly like a lioness, when she guards her authenticity as fearlessly as she guards her babies, and when she drops the role of savior, knowing she can only save herself. There comes a time in the life of a woman when she no longer cowers in the shadows of her unworthiness, when she no longer plays small so others can feel big, and when she swaps the role of victim for the role of co-creator. There comes a time in the life of a woman when she unabashedly and boldly occupies her ultimate sovereignty, when she feels finally ready to claim her space in the world, and when she redefines compassion as unequivocal self-love. There comes a time in the life of a woman when she finally releases her childlike dependencies on others, when she dares to rewrite a new mandate of living for herself, one that says, I release unworthiness and fear. 
I divorce civility and passivity. I divest in authenticity and enmeshment. I end the pretense of being someone I am not. And from now on, I declare I will ascend into my highest power. I will embrace my greatest autonomy. I will celebrate my deepest worth. I will embody my fiercest courage and manifest the most authentic me. The time is now. I am ready to awaken into my renaissance. Thank you, Shafali. That was beautiful. And someone is asking, I wonder why Vishen asked to read it in her best voice it was just because I wanted a really good reading of that because I want to turn it into a viral snippet for Instagram so we can get this beautiful message out. We're going to cut this little piece out, edit it. We want to get this beautiful message out because I think your book has so much potential to, to spread so much wisdom in the world. And as a father of a seven-year-old girl, I love that women like you are paving the way for my daughter to have a better future. Yes, we are together. And it takes men like you who support women like us that are going to allow your daughter to not ever shy away from her fierce power. So let me ask the final question then. How can men who are listening to this be the best allies they can be? What can we do to help be an ally to women who are going through this awakening? to step up, to speak up when you see that we are being silenced in a boardroom, to step up and speak when you see us not wearing makeup. Tell us how beautiful we look in our natural selves. Don't make comments simply on our external. Ask us who we are on the inside. Be interested in our essence because each one of us has a beautiful essence. Thank you. I love that. Speak less, listen more to us women. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shut so, up. That's what you can do. <laughs> <laughs> What's the one thing men can do? Speak less. <laughs> so the next question is from Mega Johnny. And Mega, I'd love to bring you up. Okay. So Mega. Hi. Hi, Sefali. Simply my question, let me just read it the way I asked. When you were talking about the queen energy, you know, you have that awakening and you realize that you have given so much that is nothing left now. And you are thinking, so it's better to pull yourself again because otherwise there will be more struggle and everything will not make sense. And what happens is that the others, when you put yourself first, throughout your life, 10 years, 15 years of marriage, you put everybody before you, children, mother-in-laws, everybody. And the moment you think, and maybe for one week you put yourself first, they judge you. They judge you so hard and you can't change them. You know, so there is a constant comments, judgment. I was not like that. I was this. You are eating by yourself. You're not even asking somebody sitting next to you. Do it. I no, know. Baby. <laughs> I know. But because we have babied everybody, because we become the mother of everybody, the nurse, the yeah. mother, we're saving everybody. Then one week, one day you put yourself. I remember my daughter was like nine and I walked out of the bathroom and she's like, who's going to clean me her ass? And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, like, look at this nine year old. But it was right on point. We have been doing everything, filling in everybody's holes. But you know what we've been doing wrong? We've been crippling them because now they depend on us. So now when you take out their life supply, they're going to be so angry 
with you. And that's what you're saying. Now you're thinking it's more headache to take away the life supply. Let me just do the same things I've been doing. (laughs) I know, I know I've been there. I'm like, should I be authentic or just keep doing it because I can keep the peace, right? So this is what most of us women go through. So at this point, when you're waking up, you know, you have to get a coach. You have to get some support and you make small changes in your life. Every time you're supposed to eat with them or feed them, you know, you know, do something for them, you know, have diarrhea, leave the house, get out, like just suddenly start disappearing. You have to detoxify them from the addiction. They have become addicted to you because you were addicted to them. So you have to now detoxify and make them have withdrawal symptoms and then a new status quo will come. Don't give up. Make small changes and begin to take care of yourself. Suddenly, forget something in the car and then go away for 30 minutes. Teach them now to be self-reliant because we have been crippling them by taking care of things because that's how we were raised. And it's not good for us and it's not good for them. Okay. <laughs> small changes, small changes. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard because there's constant you're like this you're like that but but also my dear you have to expect the judgment and in your yeah. head this is what dr shvali was saying to expect it and it will come to not get attached to it you know thank yeah. you so much Megha, thank you question. thank you so everyone thank you for joining us today shafali thank you for being such an amazing guest as usual And for those of you who want to check out the book, please do. Please talk about this book. Please share this message. Please tell this book to your sisters, your mothers, your daughters. It's called Radical Awakening. And you can get it on Amazon or you can go to Dr. Shafali, D-R-S-H-E-F-A-L-I dot com. And if you're listening to this on the Mind Valley podcast, please go ahead and share the iTunes or Spotify link on your Instagram. Tag me at Vision and tag Shafali. Shafali, what is your Instagram? Dr. Shefali. And if they forget, there's also a website called aradicalawakening.com, which has a lot of indie bookstores there. So we want to support indie bookstores, aradicalawakening.com. Amazing. Thank you so much, Shefali. Thank you everyone for joining us on this. Thank you all. Bye guys. Bye. Vishen Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.